Great to see you here today. Thank you, Kevin, Scott, choir, praise team, for another awesome time of worship together. Um, we are continuing this study in Paul's letter to the Philippians that we're entitling Life Doesn't Have to Be Perfect to Be Wonderful for the past six weeks. Uh, you're aware, perhaps painfully, that we have been sort of settled in to the first two verses, laying some foundations for a wonderful life. I don't want to go back and do a lot of review there, but just let me remind you that unless we have these foundations in place, unless I embrace the posture before Christ of a servant, unless I live from my position in Christ as a saint, and unless I am drawing daily on the provisions from Christ, which are His grace and His peace, I will never experience the reality that life can be wonderful even if it's not perfect. You just can't move on to what's in the rest of this book until you settle those foundations and make sure they're built into the spiritual superstructure and, and foundation of your life. Now, once you've done that, though, then you're ready to move and ready to begin looking at some things Paul has to say to us here about that wonderful life. And today we're going to begin doing that together as we focus today. Our lesson is on this. People don't have to be perfect for life to be wonderful. Did you hear that? People do not have to be perfect for your life to be wonderful. People do not have to be perfect for my life to be wonderful. That's a great truth. I mean, that's, that's a huge truth because you can't go very far in life and not run into people. They're everywhere, right? You can't get away from them. They're in your homes. They're in your schools. They're in your places of business. They're in your neighborhoods. And they're in your church. And if my relationships with the people in my life are bad, all of my life is impacted by that. Would you agree that if your relationships in life are bad, all of life really stinks, right? Sure it does. Because there are people all around you and there are relationships, all kinds of them. And if our relationships with people aren't right, it will kill my joy. Life will not be wonderful for me no matter how many other good things are going on in my life. So the question for today is very simple. How are things with the people in your life? How are things with the people in your home? How are things with the people at work? How are things with the people in your family? How are things with the people who are your brothers and sisters in Christ here at Taylor's First Baptist Church. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, and I'm going to read this text in its entirety. Paul gives us some guidelines for dealing with people, and particularly 
dealing with the difficult people in our lives. So if you have your copy of God's Word this morning, let me invite you to follow along as I read. Paul writes and he says this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always, in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from this first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And it's right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, church, in these verses, Paul is giving us some very clear biblical guidelines for how to deal with difficult people in your life, or anybody in your life, for that matter. These are his guidelines, and there are at least four of them here in these verses, and I want to just jump right in and look at them with you this morning to see if we can't get a handle on how to deal with the people who've hurt us, the people who annoy us, the people who frustrate us, the people we just can't seem to get along with. I need this. I suspect you do too. So let's look at it together. Lesson number one. If I'm going to learn how to relate to the difficult people in my life, I have got to learn, number one, to be grateful I've got to learn to be grateful for the good in those difficult people. Let me tell you, one of the secrets to learning how to get along with anyone, but particularly those people who push your buttons, those people who cause you angst, those people who frustrate you, one of the keys to being able to relate well to those people is to develop a heart of gratitude for the good things that are in their lives. Look at what Paul has to say here in verse 3 of Philippians chapter 1. As he writes to the Philippians, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. I thank my God every time I remember you. You see, when Paul thought about people, he thought about the good things. He thought about the positive things in their lives. He thought about the things that, that he could be grateful for. He thought about the positive experiences he had had with other people. That was his focus, the good things in other people. And he had developed a heart of gratitude for those people. Now, some of you may be thinking here this morning, wait a minute, preacher. Paul didn't have the kind of people in his life that I got in my life. <laughs> Oh, really? I want you to think back to Paul's experience in Philippi. He is writing this letter to who? 
the Philippians. If you go back to Acts chapter 16, you will see what his experiences were and in Philippi. And in case you don't remember what those are, don't know exactly, let me, let me remind you of what had happened to Paul while he was in Philippi. Number one, he'd been arrested unjustly. He had been beaten. He had been humiliated. He had been thrown in jail. By the way, I had the awesome privilege several years ago to visit ancient Philippi. Don't think jail cell like you see on Andy Griffith or anything. You know, it's got these iron bars that you open and you walk into. This was a hole in the ground. Deep, damp, dark, not very big, that Paul was cast down into and then the bars were laid over the top. So that's what he encountered in Philippi. And then after all of that, you may remember that the leaders of the city of Philippi came to Paul and basically said, Paul, we want you to get out of here. They didn't want him there. What's my point? My point is this. Paul had not had a good time in Philippi. He had had a bad time. And yet, when he writes to the people there, he says, you know, when I think of you, I remember the good things. I remember the positive things. I remember the things that I can be thankful for. As a matter of fact, I thank my God every time I remember you. Now, I want to share a truth with you this morning about the difficult people in your life or about any person in your life. You ready? When I think about the people in my life, I have a choice. I have a choice. You have a choice. You can choose what you're going to focus on. You can choose to focus on the good instead of the bad, but it's your choice. If you really want life to be wonderful, even if the people in your life aren't, then you're going to have to choose to focus on the good things and be grateful for the good things in people. Let me give you a principle here that might help you when we think about this choice that you've been given and I've been given. Here's the principle. When I think about the people in my life, I need to focus on the best and submit the rest to God. I need to focus on the best and submit the rest to God. Now listen, that doesn't mean that I ignore the hurts that other people have caused. It doesn't. I can choose to focus on the good. I can choose to emphasize the positive because listen to me, this might be a revelation, but listen, there is something good. There is something positive in every single person because every single person including these precious little ones that we saw pictures of up here on the screen. Every person ever born has been created in the very image of God and there is something in that person's life that is reflective of that image and there is something positive that you can be grateful for in the life of any person. Now, with some people, you might have to be creative, all right? I'll admit that, all right? There are some people you might have to look really hard, but you can do it. 
I remember the story of a, of, a, of a little old lady. She had the reputation of never saying anything bad about anybody. And it just frustrated everybody around her because she always had nice things to say, never had a negative word. And, and one of her neighbors just got so frustrated with her that finally he said, you know, you'd have something good to say about the devil himself. And she said, well, you know, you have to admit he's a pretty industrious fella. Now listen, if, if, if she could find something good to say about the devil, seriously, you've got a choice. I've got a choice. God's Word says we have a choice. We do not have to focus, dwell on the negative, the hurtful experiences, the bad things, the painful experiences that have been caused by difficult people. Focus on the best, submit the rest to God. Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. If I want my life to be wonderful, even if the people around me aren't, I have got to focus on their strengths, not their weaknesses. Listen, we all have weaknesses, right? We all have weaknesses. I've aggravated people. I've annoyed people. Maybe I didn't always mean to, but I've caused people pain. I've gotten people upset with me. We're, we're, we're all weak people. So let's make the right choice here and let's focus on the best and submit the rest to God. Lesson number one. Lesson number two. Not only... Must I learn to be grateful for the good in people? But I must learn, secondly, to pray positively for the difficult people in my life. I must learn to pray positively for the difficult people in my life. Prayer is a recurring theme in the book of Philippians. Last week, I said it wasn't enough just to pray about certain things. You had to learn how to pray right. And we walked through what right praying was. Well, today, we've got to learn how to pray, not just pray for the difficult people in our lives, but we've got to learn how to pray positively for the difficult people in our lives. Look at what Paul says, verse 4 here. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Let me tell you something this morning. If you will learn to pray positively for the people in your lives, it'll make a world of difference. Some of you... Uh, may know that in the Old Testament, in the Psalms in particular, there's a certain kind of prayer called imprecatory prayers. And imprecatory prayers are when the psalmist gets all wound up and gets upset about what some nation or some person has done, and he calls out to God, and he says, God, just kill them. Just, just, I mean, it says awful things. Just wipe them off the planet. Well, the psalmist was very much concerned about the glory of God in those instances. Sometimes we feel like praying imprecatory prayers. God, would you just, just get this, rid of this person in my life? Would you just take them out of my work or take them out of my life or just take them out? That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about praying positively for people. And it'll accomplish a couple of incredible things. Number one. If you pray positively for people, it's going to change the person you're praying for. If I pray positively for people, it's going to pray, uh, change the person that I'm praying for. 
And that's a huge thing. Let me tell you something. People can ignore your advice, your overtures. They can argue against you. They can do all kinds of things to you. But they are absolutely powerless against your prayers. They are powerless against your prayers. And when you pray, what you're doing is you're getting God in on the situation. And when God gets in on the situation, that's when things change. So, pray positively for people. It will begin to change that person. Can I tell you something in case you don't know it? You can't change anybody. Have some of you found that out? You can't change anybody. I can't change anybody. Only God can change people. And He does that through prayer. So pray positively that God will change that person. But here's the second thing that will happen when you pray positively. Not only will it change the person I'm praying for, it will also change me. Here's what I found out. I can't pray for somebody and harbor ill feelings against that person. I can't pray positively for that person and still stay angry and seething. I just can't do that. It changes me when I pray positively for somebody. So let me challenge you to pray positively for that person in your home, that person at school, that person at work, or wherever it is. See what happens to your attitude. See what God does in your heart. Your attitude toward that person will begin to change as you begin praying for that person. So what do you pray? It's a good question. Why you keep talking about praying positively, preacher? What does that mean? Well, Paul gives us the exact prescription for how to pray positively. He tells us exactly what to do. So if you're sitting here wondering today, thinking, I don't know how to pray positively for people. Let's look at it, verses 9 through 11. Let's read them again. Paul says, and this is my prayer. Listen, if this is what Paul prayed, do you think it might be a good idea for us to sort of model our prayers after that? Right? Here's what Paul prayed for the people in his life. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, there are a lot of things we could point out here. Let me just point out four positive things that Paul prayed for the people in his life and that I need to pray for the people in my life. Here's number one. I need to pray that the people in my life will grow in love that they will grow in love. Paul says, I pray that your love may abound more and more. That word abound means to overflow. Like a fountain is overflowing, like a, uh, like a, like a river overflows its bank. This, this overflowing, abounding kind of love we need to pray. Many times when there are bad situations between people, we've lost that love between us or it was never there at all. So pray that the people in your life would grow in love. Number two, pray that the people in your life, I need to pray that the people in my life would make wise choices. Paul prays that they may be able to discern what is best. 
Again, relationships are fractured many times because people make foolish choices. They do things that hurt other people. They take actions without thinking about the results. Paul says, pray that the people in your life will make wise choices. Number three, pray that they'll do the right things. Look at what he says. This is my prayer, that they may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So they do the right thing. They don't do the wrong thing and cause problems. They do the right thing. What's right for them, what's right for the people around them. And then finally, the fourth thing is, I need to pray that the people in my life will live for the glory of God. I need to pray that they'll live for the glory of God. That's what Paul prayed. He said, I pray that they'll be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And let me tell you something. You not only need to pray that for the people in your life, you need to pray those four things for yourself. God, I pray, help me to grow in my love for the people in my life. God, help me to make wise choices as I deal with the people in my life. God, help me to do the right things so that I don't cause problems or fracturing of relationships. And God, help me to live for your glory. Do you realize what would happen if every one of us here went out this door today committed Committed to grow in love, make wise choices, do right things, live for God's glory. Do you think there'd be any issues in this church? No. When there are, we're not following the prescription. When things are going wrong in our relationships with people, this is why. So, here's a principle. The absolute fastest way to change a relationship from good, from bad to good, is to start praying positively for people. Okay? It'll change that person because God gets in on it. It'll change you. But there's a third thing you've got to do if you want to be able to really get along and thrive in the midst of difficult people. And that is this, I must learn to be patient with the progress of the difficult people in my life. See, here's what happens. Maybe we've prayed about that situation and it hasn't changed. Maybe we've even tried to pray positively. Now, a lot of us haven't done that, but let's assume we have prayed positively for that person. And things still haven't changed. Things are still tough. Well, I've got to learn to be patient because change doesn't happen overnight. Doesn't happen overnight. Yet we've got to be patient. Look at at Paul's patience here, verse 6 of Philippians chapter 1. Paul says, let me tell you something I'm confident of. I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What's Paul telling us? He's reminding us that what God starts, He finishes. When God begins a work, He completes it. We don't always do that. We human beings are pretty good starters. We're notoriously bad finishers. We leave unfinished symphonies, unfinished buildings, unfinished projects of all kinds. God never does that. When he begins a work, 
in a person's life. He's going to carry that work on until it accomplishes his purpose. He finishes what he starts. Listen, in spite of our hang-ups and our faults and in spite of our sins and all those other things, God has a plan for people that he's going to finish. He's going to finish what he started in your life. He's going to finish what he started in my life. And he's going to finish what he started in the difficult people around you, the people who are part of our lives. So we need to be patient or else we're not going to be able to enjoy those people. Let me, let me give you a truth here. You can write it down. This might be one that's new to you. I bet you already got it filled in, don't you? Nobody's what? Did you hear yourself? Nobody's perfect. Now, we all have a tendency to think we are, but we're not. Nobody's perfect. So if you're waiting on that perfect husband or wife, you're waiting on that perfect child, you're waiting on that perfect parent, you're waiting on that perfect coworker, or God help you, you're waiting on that perfect church member, you got a long way ahead of you, and you're going to be frustrated and you're going to be annoyed, and you're going to get upset, and relationships are going to be fractured because nobody is perfect. And if you demand perfection in the people in your life, you'll never enjoy anybody. Nobody's perfect. We're all works in progress. On the back of your sheet there, I've got some examples of of the way God looks at people, and I love that because, and this is the way Paul looked at people. When Paul looked at people, he didn't just see them in the present tense. He, he, he saw them in the future. He didn't just see what they were. He saw the potential for what they could become. And we see this all through Scripture. Moses, who by his own admission said, I'm nobody, nothing, I can't speak. Uh, I'll never be able to do anything. God said, you're going to be the one that's going to stand before Pharaoh, look him in the eye and say, let my people go. Gideon, read his story in Judges chapter 6. He was down hiding in a wine press because he was afraid of the Midianites. Shaking in his boots and the angel of the Lord came to him and said, God is with you, mighty warrior. He was nothing but at the time, but he became one. Peter, Jesus said, you are Simon but I will call you Cephas, Peter. Simon meaning pebble. Cephas meaning rock. Peter, you're going to become something so much bigger than you can even imagine. And he did. The great preacher at Pentecost, the great leader of the early church. And then Saul of Tarsus, that great persecutor of the church, doing everything he could to destroy the people of God. But God spoke to Ananias and said, this man will become my chosen instrument to take the gospel to the Gentiles, to the very ends of the earth. And he became the greatest missionary other than the Lord himself that the world has ever known. You've got to learn to be patient with people because here's a principle you need to understand. God is still working with people. He's still working with people. He's not finished. 
Paul said, I'm confident. Would you circle that word confident? Paul said, I'm confident that when God begins a work in people, he is able and he will carry it on to completion. Paul believed in God's power to change the human personality. He believed in God's power to absolutely transform a life top to bottom completely. This is one of the greatest promises we have from the Word of God, and you need to claim it for yourself, for your kids, for your spouse, for your parents, for your friends, your coworkers, your fellow church members, all the people in your life. When God begins a work, He'll finish it. So, learn to be patient with God's progress in working in other people. Fourthly and finally, if life's going to be wonderful for me, even if the people in my life aren't, I've got to learn to love the difficult people in my life from the heart. I've got to learn to love them from the heart. Paul says in verse 7, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. In your heart. Okay, here's a truth for you. You tell me if I'm right or not. I know I am because it's a truth. <laughs> I want you to think about it. If I do not have people on my heart, they will stay on my nerves. Now, we can laugh at that, and that's true. It is a little humorous. But it's true. I'm going to tell you something. As a parent, if I don't keep my kids on my heart, they get on my nerves. My kids will tell you, if they don't keep me on their heart, I get on their nerves. If you don't keep your husband or wife on your heart, if you don't keep your neighbor on your heart, if you don't keep your friends on your heart, if you don't keep your church family on your heart, then before you know it, they'll be on your nerves. That's where a lot of us live with people on our nerves. So how do you get people on your heart? Look at verse 8. Some practical stuff here. How do you get people on your heart? Philippians 1.8, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Listen to me. Listen. Heart love, real heart love, is not a natural love. It is a supernatural love. It is not something you can work up no matter how hard you try. Real heart love only comes when you allow Jesus Christ to love other people through you. It is the affection of Christ Jesus. It is His love flowing out of your heart into the lives of other people that will keep them on your heart and not on your nerves. 
See, human love and human affection, I'm telling you, it'll dry up and it will die on the vine every time. That's why there's so many broken marriages. That's why there's so many broken homes. That's why there's so many broken relationships of all kinds. Human love does not last. The only kind of love that lasts and lasts in spite of the heartaches, in spite of the difficulties, in spite of the disappointments, in spite of the tough times, the only kind of love that lasts is God's love. And that's a word for us in the church as well. When there are fractured relationships in the church of Jesus Christ, we're acting out of human love, not divine love, not the affection of Christ Jesus, that's what lasts. So here's the principle. The way to love the difficult people in my life is to be filled with God's love. It's to be filled with God's love. Romans 5.5 tells us something very important here. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, genuinely, it says God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now that's a huge verse. Again, the affection of Christ Jesus isn't something I can work up. It's something that God has poured into me by His Holy Spirit and then I allow that to flow out of me into the lives of others. So here's the big secret. I'm going to boil everything I've said today down into this one single statement. The big secret. You ready for it? Here it is. If I can't love the difficult people in my life or whoever the people are in my life, I don't really have a people problem. I've got a God problem. I don't have a people problem. I've got a God problem because if I'm a follower of Christ, God's love, Scripture says, has been poured into my heart, which then enables me to love them with the affection of Christ Jesus. So, if I can't love the people in my life from the heart, my problem's not with the person. I've got a, I've got a much bigger problem, a God problem. Either the Holy Spirit is not in my life at all and I'm not a believer at all or he's certainly not in control of my life and I need to give him that control today so that I can start loving the people in my life from the heart. God wants us to enjoy the people around us. Unfortunately for many of us, it's not a matter of enjoyment. It's a matter of endurance. We just, we endure. No. God's Word gives us a prescription, guidelines for being able to love the difficult people in our lives. So, are you tired of just enduring people in your church, in your home, in your family, where you work, at school? then here are the steps. Learn to be grateful. Look for the good in that person. Pray positively for that person. Be patient with that person as God does His work. 
and ask God to flood your heart with His love so that you can love that person with the affection of Christ Jesus. I'll tell you something. Life is way too short, way too short to not be able to enjoy the people in your life wherever you find them, wherever they are, whatever they've done. People don't have to be perfect. Stop trying to make them that way. They don't have to be perfect for life to still be wonderful. That's God's promise. I don't want you to leave here today just saying you heard it. I want you to leave here today committed to doing it. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank You for this time. We thank You for Your Word. Once again, Lord, it has been what it says it is, that sharp two-edged sword, that, that lamp into our feet, that light into our path. We need to measure our lives, Lord, not by the advice of a friend, not by what the world says we ought to do to people or how we ought to relate to them. We've done that far too often in the church of Jesus Christ. Instead of looking at the clear message from your word and following in obedience. Some of us here today have had bad experiences with people. Someone's hurt us. Someone's disappointed us. Someone's caused us pain. Someone's done something that has caused division to come between us. And we've chosen to hang on to that and be miserable and not experience the reality that life can be wonderful. Oh God, help us to realize that we got a choice that we need to make it. It's a biblical choice. It's a New Testament choice. It is the Christian choice. Help us to do it today, God. If there's anybody here as we talk about relationships that does not have a real, genuine relationship with you. They don't know you as Father. They don't walk in relationship with you. They, they haven't experienced forgiveness of sin. They don't know Christ as Lord and Savior. Oh, Lord, today I pray would be the day they would make that decision to follow Christ. In just a moment, they would step out from that seat where they're seated, come and take my hand, just simply say, I need Jesus. Lord, for those of us who've already made that decision, may we today strengthen our relationship with you and with the people in our lives as we follow you in obedience is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to join me in standing. Praise team's going to lead us here as we sing. If God speaks to your heart, altar's open. I'm here if I can pray with you. Others are here to counsel with you. You come right now. As God speaks to your heart, would you come?